Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Dog and Duck Show. It is week 12. The dogs are 11 and 0, number 4 in the nation according to the CFP rankings and Oregon right behind at number 6, 10 and 1. Mark, you are the duck. My name is Warren. I am the dog. How are you doing, my friend? Warren, I'm 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 doing great. It's great to be uh, heading into the final game of the regular season, feeling like everything is on the table. Great, great time to be alive. Everything is on the table, and more and more, I hear the words of Thanos ringing in my ears. I am inevitable, and it just seems like Oregon versus Washington in the Pac-12 is an inevitable destination one more time round three here we go two teams going after it and uh man i cannot wait this is crazy Warren, you you are i see what you're trying to do here you're trying to bait me i'm not going to go there oregon's got another game so does washington against a a cougar team that's coming in red hot <laughs> uh, we, we, we can't we can't let ourselves uh get down that road quite yet we gotta we gotta take care of business for one more week against in-state rivals which can never be discounted well let's get into it because your opponent this saturday was our opponent last saturday this is the second time in the last three weeks that this has happened where washington has eliminated a team from their Pac-12 title hopes, uh, only to then come and play the Ducks. Uh, a little bit less enthused, a little bit less defeated, but I have no doubt that these Beavers are going to come into the Civil War, the Platypus Cup, whatever you want to call it, with as much fire in their bellies as they can possibly muster. But uh, they were ready for the Dogs this past Saturday. It was a monsoon. It was a Pacific Northwest showdown, and uh, the dogs once again came out as the Washington acrobats, as you like to call them, Mark, and found a way to win this game 22 to 20 with the game on the line as the seconds ticked off. Mark, I know you were watching the game. What was going through your brain as you saw the way that that game unfolded? Yeah, I've been mean, watching from a different vantage point because I, uh, along with my fellow Duck fans, uh, I think we're all of the same mind that an undefeated Washington ultimately is in Oregon's best interest for their own playoff positioning, uh, the chance to to take revenge against an undefeated Washington. And at the same time, Every time Washington is in one of these close games, I find myself pulling for whatever team is 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 trying to finally do them in. And it feels like deja vu, Warren. I mean, once again, here it is. You have a team that has the ball with the destiny in their own hands, uh, down by two points. If they go down and kick a game-winning field goal, we're talking about Kalen DeBoer's weird decision to go for two that didn't work out and how that left, you know, uh, them vulnerable to a, a game winning field goal. Like, and Oregon state faces a, a fourth and five, which is a little too far for them to run that quarterback keeper with DJU or to just give the ball to Damian Martinez. And sure enough, the Washington defense comes through again, 
by my count, Warren, I think it's what, like six games in a row that they've had a stop on fourth down in the final five minutes of a game. Like um, it's just, that's, that's the kind of season this team is having. It has been one of the more unforgettable seasons. There's no doubt about it. And it really, it's like the, however you want to look at it, you can kind of create your own narrative. I think for a lot of Husky fans, they look at it and they say every single one of these games, we could have blown open if not for one or two critical errors in this game. Of course we get the interception. We have the opportunity to go up 29 to 10 in the third quarter. And we have basically a, a, a three and out with two penalties, a field goal that ends up, you know, going through, but there's a penalty. We kick it again. We miss the second time around Oregon state marches down the field methodically for over 10 minutes, scores a touchdown. And all of a sudden what could have been a 19 point lead is now a five point lead. And who knows what's going to happen next. It just feels like every single game since the, the Arizona game, we've had these kind of outcomes where we just can't seem to blow the doors open. But then again, for the non-Husky fan, your narrative is as just as much true. And that is somehow the dogs seem to just find a way or luck into a way to win the game. But, you know, what's so interesting, Mark, and, and by the way, guys, if you don't read Mark's moments, highly encourage it. Mark, tell, tell everybody real quick, how they can read your your blog, Mark's Moments. Uh, it's a it's a Substack account, so it's uh, mschmore.substack.com is uh, the way to find it. And I've been writing about three times a week recently. I usually do some sort of Pac-12 recap on uh, Monday. That's the the Washington Acrobats that Warren mentioned is a, a phrase I, I coined to try to describe the stunts that Washington continues to pull each week, and then. I've been doing a series of uh, top 10 lists uh, for Pac-12 history, just did top 10 uh, defensive backs in Pac-12 history. Next week, I'll be doing top 10 coaches in Pac-12 history. And then on Friday, I do something Oregon-centric, looking back at a different rivalry each week uh, for Pac-12 rivals for Oregon. And so, of course, this weekend, I'll be looking back at the great history of the Civil War, Platypus Cup, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. uh, Oregon and Oregon State. Yeah, it's great stuff. And so definitely check out Mark's moments. They're so good. And uh, Mark's done a great job of chronicling uh, all the things that are happening in the Pac-12 in this final historic year. But, you know, as as I was saying, uh, this is a season where we have seen the Huskies win in almost every way imaginable. We've yes. We've won with special teams. We've won with uh, outstanding defense. We've won with incredible offense. We've won where one half the offense was succeeding and the defense was flailing. And then the very next half, the defense is succeeding and the offense is failing. And once again, Oregon State kind of falls into that category. The first half, the Huskies score in their opening drive. They're up 22 to 10 at halftime. And you're thinking, okay, I like the way that this game is unfolding. And then all of a sudden, the Husky offense 
becomes inept. It can't move. It's three and outs. It's it seems like uh, all they know to do is either to run the ball into a, a pile or try to chuck the ball deep to Roma Dunze and hope for a penalty. But yet at the end, when that first down was needed to, to run the clock out, what did Penix do? He went to numero uno. He sends the ball over to Roma Dunze, gets the first down and uh, and takes care of business. Fires the arrow off, as I know all of the adoring Duck fans love to see that uh, <laughs> that image of, of Penix firing off his arrow. But, wow, what a game. What a clutch performance. You know, to me, Mark, we could probably get into a heated debate about who deserves to be the, the Heisman Trophy winner. I still think that ultimately it's going to come down to who wins the Pac-12 championship game and hopefully performs to actually right. produce the win. I really believe that's going to be the winner of the Heisman Trophy this year. Same thing with the Bolitnikov. And I think, to me, you know, you've got pretty similar statistics among the top candidates, but I can't think of anybody who has had more clutch catches at the absolutely critical moments than Roma Dunze this season. And so it is just a, it's just a special thing to watch if you're a Husky fan right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, certainly if you're wanting to make fun of the Huskies, which I do from time to time, you can point to, yeah, you know, you're doing a bow and arrow uh, after you didn't score in the second half and you picked up one first down. I think they picked up what two first downs in the entire second half. So Brutal. Like, congratulations, Michael. Uh, there is a sense of that, but then there's also a sense of like, if you just look at the down in the distance and then the throw that he had to complete and the degree of difficulty on that and the handful of quarterbacks, maybe that could uh, pull that off in that moment. Like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's both impressive and, and nauseating at the same time. I think that's how I would describe this Washington season is like, I'm, I genuinely am continually impressed. I know you've got a stat coming up about their defense in the fourth quarter. Like I'm continually impressed by the poise that this team shows when games hit their breaking point, that they time and time again, now going on for a season and a half offensively, defensively, regardless, they make the key play when it absolutely has to matter. And that's a skill. That's, that obviously is a tribute to the coaching staff. That's a tribute to the senior leadership and, and all of that, you know? Um, so I can like objectively look at that and say, there's something really special about what this team can do. And I've even thought through who are the historical examples. Is it possible to take this mm. as far as a national championship? Like, you know, I, so I can look at it through that objective lens and then I can also look at it through the lens of like this team, like for how much talent they have, for how much talent you boasted about them bringing back guys that didn't go to the NFL, like this team shouldn't having to be scratching and clawing every single week. And the team that I saw beat Oregon in the middle of October shouldn't have to scratch and claw to win every single week. So that that tells me that there there is there's something that's that is a little bit off, but it's obviously not off enough 
to cause them to lose a game yet. Yeah. And it may not, you know, we may, we may be having the same conversation in, in January and they're playing for the national title and they just keep finding a way to pull out these games or they may run into a buzzsaw at some point and get a little bit exposed in some of these areas. And that, I mean, that's the great thing about this, this debate is both sides are right until we Mm -hmm. have the proof one way or the other. That's right. Yeah. And certainly there's a lot of folks out there that think that buzzsaw is colored green and yellow and (laughs) we'll find out soon enough. But Mark, I saw this uh, tweet on, uh, on, X the other uh, the other day and it was uh, it was put out by Evan Feather but apparently it was actually written by Joel Dombro I don't even know if I'm saying his name right but uh, I gotta read this it's it's uh, it's like a poem although it doesn't rhyme but uh, I think it really captures the essence of what we've been talking about he wrote we've won against ranked teams at home we've won against ranked teams on the road we've won in the sun. We've won in the driving rain. We've won with the flu. We've won with key injuries. We've won when being held. We've won when losing the turnover margin. We've won with turnovers in the red zone. We've won when pick when dropping a pick six before crossing the end zone. We've won when the ball doesn't bounce our way. We've won with Pac-12 refs. We've won while nearly while nearly leading the nation in penalties. Winners win. Uh, so good, good summary there by Joel and, uh, and Mark, you mentioned the defense can I just, real quick. Can I just, yeah. uh, it, it's a great summary. And I, I, I think my favorite line in is, is the, we've won with PAC 12 refs because there is, there is no doubt that the, uh, the undefeated Huskies have, uh, have had their fair share of, of calls in their favor against some of the, uh, the lesser touted teams on their schedule. So I thought that was, I thought that was great to include that, that the PAC 12 refs have have played a key role of, of helping the Huskies along the way. Yeah. It's so interesting how uh, fans see what they want to see, isn't it? You know, I think uh, for every missed call for the Huskies, you know, Husky fans can point to 10 calls that should have been made or, or were made in error that, uh, that ended up penalizing them. So, I mean, it's hard to say that the Huskies have gotten a break when they're one of the most penalized teams in the nation. But, uh, you know, yeah, like is, I said, that is a good point. <laughs> there, there, there certainly, there certainly are a few uh, pointed examples that I know our friends in Tempe, Arizona, might uh, point to, and perhaps in Stanford as well. But Mark, the last five games. This is the point total by opposing offenses in the fourth quarter against my Washington Huskies. Oregon State, three. Utah, zero. USC, zero. Stanford, seven. ASU, zero. And then, of course, Oregon, seven points. So, really, whatever it is that they're doing in the fourth quarter, they're coming up big. They're coming up clutch when they need it. The question mark that I think most Husky fans are asking is, could they possibly just for one game put it all together? <laughs> I well, mean, yeah, let's I mean, just give yeah. me one game of just complete defense, please. I think I think that's the question that everybody's asking, whether you're rooting for the Huskies or against the Huskies. Like, I mean, Warren, I pulled a stat just just to illustrate this. That's not trying to make a point 
about this Washington team against any other team. Last year in conference play, the Washington Huskies outgained opponents by an average of 114 yards a game. Yeah. This year in conference play, the Washington Huskies are outgaining opponents by an average of four yards per game. I didn't misspeak four yards per game of advantage margin. Like it doesn't take a, a mathematician. And and this is not like a, t- it's, it's not like the Huskies have like an overwhelming edge in the turnover margin that mm-hmm. uh, they've actually, they've actually lost the turnover margin collectively for the, for the season. Uh, so like there's, it doesn't take a mathematician to look at that and say a team that is essentially giving up the same number of yards that they're getting every single week like shouldn't be shouldn't be undefeated at the end of that season like it so it kind of boggles the mind and i think it does i I find myself going like yeah where is the where is like the four quarter masterpiece where they just where they just play kind of their best game and of course my fear is is that's that's still lurking right that they're going to find that gear uh in the next couple weeks and that maybe Oregon is the team that ends up having to kind of to to get them when when they find themselves. But then there's also a sense of like if you haven't found it now in yeah. week twelve, uh, and and this is a a crew that's basically been together now for two years, and it does seem like they were playing at a different level, like la- in last year's Apple Cup, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me wonder like if, if there's something that, that we're kind of missing about why some of these results aren't more, um, you know, more of a, of a, of a resounding win for the Huskies. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I think there's no doubt that if you look at the last year's team versus this year's team, in spite of some, some, you know, bad moments, uh, like a, a, a an 11 play span against Utah, this defense is significantly better. I mean, you know, Oregon State came into this game with 36 sacks, which was fifth in the nation, um, 19 sacks in their previous four games. They didn't they didn't even touch Penix on on Saturday. Uh, the 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 offensive line is stopping him. 20 points was the lowest point total that Oregon State had uh, on offense this past past. Saturday. So, you know, they're 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 making improvements in key areas. Jabbar Muhammad had the game of his life, you know, three takeaways, four pass breakups, you know, two interceptions. So um there's there's things that you can look at okay and say, okay, they're better than they were last year in this way. But you know, my my recollection of most of last year was that guys were wide open all the right. time last right. year and that has not been the case since maybe the Michigan State game maybe maybe the Cal game where you know we were just kind of just rolling up and down the field since then you know it's been a lot of hotly contested passes a lot of you know Roma Dunze going up and and getting the 50-50 ball 90% of the time um, and so there's a part of me, and I know that, that some of my, my Husky friends are wondering this as well. And that is like, has, has, you know, the defenses in the PAC 12, have they somehow caught up 
with this Husky offense? Like, have they figured out something about what Ryan Grubb is doing that is making it so that he's not getting these wide open looks like he was last season and earlier this year? The other question is how much of that has to do with not having Jalen McMillan, you know, is Jalen McMillan really that big of a factor that having him on the field opens up, you know, the, the offense in a way that, that it's almost like night and day from where it was before. I don't know, but I know this, that, you know, if, if the Huskies are going to be able to come into the PAC 12 championship game, which we are, we have guaranteed our spot. We, you know, we have clinched the playoff. We have clinched, not the playoffs. We've clinched the Pac-12 championship game. But if we're going to come into that game with any hope of being able to keep up with a red-hot Oregon, we've got to get that offense firing again this Saturday against Washington State. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions about whether or not we can do that. So this, this Apple Cup, you know, it has tremendous ramifications not only for maintaining the perfect season but really it it needs to be a get right game if you're a, a husky fan you know looking to see that offense you know take strides to get back to where it was earlier in the season yeah and i i think what you said about the question of you know ha, have defenses figured out a way not certainly not to to you know, shut down this Washington offense, but have defenses figured out maybe a, some ways to limit some of some of their their strengths. I think that's the hope, right? That's the hope that everybody who's um, having to play the Huskies is kind of carrying is that, uh, and it certainly seemed like, you know, the Beavers had a pretty sound game plan, although that game was also played in Monsoon and, and yeah. I know Millen is still not like fully himself. He certainly doesn't look like 100%. So again, it's one of those things where it's just uh, <laughs> I, I we're gonna have so much more clarity about this question like two weeks from now. I feel like, yeah. And even then, qu- the question still might persist into the the playoff if Washington's fortunate enough to make it that far. So uh, it it's as fascinating of an undefeated season as I can remember in in quite some time although i also think back to a team like tcu just last season mm-hmm. which which had a lot of similar beats in terms of a team yeah. that continued to make the big plays in the fourth quarter so um yeah it's it's it it hasn't been lacking for drama warren i've watched, yeah. I've watched more washington huskies football this season than I, I probably have in the last 10 years just because every single one of their games is so compelling and coming down to the wire well, and and as much as that is true for this Washington Husky t- team, the exact opposite is the case for this Oregon Ducks team. Once again, they absolutely trounce their opponents. Uh, they are a steamroller. There's no drama. There's no question as to who's going to win this game. The Ducks roll over Arizona State 49-3. to and it was over like within minutes. It just, it seemed like 70 yard pass, 80 yard pass, 70 yard pass, just one after the other. Massive statistics. 
give me your thoughts about what you saw from this Oregon team that was going up against former offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham and an Arizona State team that clearly was um, reeling from losing quarterbacks and and you know just a, a dreadful season, but but a team that no doubt gave the Huskies a run for their money. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, first of all, it was it was forty nine to thirteen. That was a typo on my oh, part on the show. Sorry, I apologize for that. Uh, but it was it was forty yeah forty two to nothing at the half. Uh, Bo Nix school record had a school record six touchdown passes in the first half, tied the school record, and then actually could have broken the record. He had a seventh touchdown pass that was waved off at the beginning of the second half on a really kind of a phantom offensive pass interference, and then he didn't play after that series uh but crazy yeah he he is uh playing the best football of his life these past four weeks i mean has just been unbelievable in terms of his efficiency and and the throws that he's making uh two of his touchdowns went to troy franklin troy franklin now owns or shares the school records for single season uh receiving yardage single season touchdowns um he leads the nation in both of those categories. So uh, quite the mark for him. You've got Bucky Irving who gets to a thousand yards for a second consecutive season that joins a club of Oregon running backs that only includes Ontario Smith, LaMichael James and Royce Freeman. So that's pretty elite company that Bucky Irving finds himself in. And then, you know, what can you say about the defense? They, they pitch a shutout in the first half. Um, I saw a stat that only Oregon, only Georgia and Oregon, are among the top 10 teams in the nation in scoring offense and scoring defense. And when you consider that they were, I think, 70th in scoring defense last season, that's a pretty, pretty uh, significant improvement. So, you know, it's hard to take too much from this game. Like you said, Arizona state is really outmanned. They lost 55 to three, two weeks ago to Utah. They pulled it together and kind of pulled some, kind of incredible upset over UCLA and but I think we got the version that lost 55 to 3 to Utah like this is a team that is just they've been beaten down I this is not the same team that uh took the Huskies down to the wire they just they don't seem to have that same spark and energy to them um but at the same time like you know how how many uh how many times have you seen a team outscore another team 42 to nothing and a half? Like, you know, it's hard yeah. not to be impressed by that. Especially a Pac-12 team. I mean, it's one thing to do it against Sacramento State or Portland State or something like that. But, you know, a Pac-12 team, even if they're a bottom dweller, still has a little bit more pride than than that. Yeah. Mark, I want to I put you I want to put you on the spot a little bit because I think maybe it was five, six weeks ago, uh, you know, we were talking, I can't remember if it was on the pod or just off the air, but we were talking about how, you know, you kind of were framing this as like, this year is more special for Washington Husky fans than it is for Oregon fans, because the Huskies have this generational player in Michael Penix and, a you know, generational trio and, McMillan and and Odunze and Polk um but now that Nick's and Franklin and Irving have kind of gotten on this epic run you know 
I would love for you just to maybe kind of just give me a cursory overview of where those three guys kind of fall in their respective positions as Oregon legends. Like, so like I would assume that at the very top of the quarterback mountain for the university of Oregon is Mariota, but where does Nick's come in behind that? Like, is he number two? Is he like number five? Yeah. You know, based on what he's done in the 21 games that he's played as an Oregon duck, how would you rank him in, you know, in your maybe top tier of, of, you know, Oregon quarterbacks? I, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, we did not talk about this ahead of time, but this has been something that I have thought about. Uh, my ceiling for this Oregon team has gradually increased kind of with each week that has mm. gone by. So when we talked midseason and I suggested that, that that game in October really meant more to the Huskies because of the special team that they had and that, yeah. you know, uh, I really meant that at the time. And now I think I would walk that back one because of these last six weeks yeah, I'm starting to to see some some glitches in the Husky machine that I didn't see then. So there's part of me that says, I'm not sure that this is like the window is open for this team in quite the same way. Uh, but also, I feel like I have I actually came out of that Washington game feeling better about Oregon's chances in the long term than I did going in mm. in a way um, that that doesn't usually happen. Uh, and I think the last six weeks have just kind of built on that, where it's just kind of realizing that this team is getting better every week. Like when I compare this team to the team that almost lost to Texas Tech back uh, in September, mm -hmm. like it's just night and day in terms of um, all all over the field in terms of what they're able to do. So I'm definitely looking at this stretch run as saying this has a chance to be one of the best Oregon teams of all time and to cement that legacy a lot of that is determined by the next two weeks because if they don't if they don't win a conference championship you can't you can't elevate them you know into that that club with some of the other great Oregon teams uh as far as individuals I think uh the easiest one is Troy Franklin he's far and away the best wide receiver in Oregon history I mean he's yeah. going to um he's already got now the major single season records he's I think he's tied with four other great Oregon receivers for the career touchdowns record and he's done that in less than three years and all of those guys are four-year players guys like Jeff Mayle and Josh Huff Keenan Howry uh Kristen McLemore is the other one so he's you know he's gonna have all of these records I don't know that he's gonna get the career yardage record because he's probably gone after this season uh yeah so oh yeah for sure around to get that, but he is by far the best receiver Oregon's ever had. I feel comfortable saying that that's not going to change based on how the next couple of weeks play out. Uh, Bucky Irving, like I mentioned, he's in this club with three other Oregon running backs, great Oregon running backs uh, for back-to-back -back thousand yard seasons. There's a couple other guys that didn't have back-to-back -back seasons that I would certainly put in that same stratosphere, Kenyon Barner and Jonathan Stewart being the two that immediately come to mind. But I think uh, Bucky is, he's in that club. He's not in the LaMichael James Royce Freeman club. I think those two okay. are like different level, you know, LaMichael James won the Doak Walker award. Royce Freeman is the all-time leading rusher in Pac-12 history. Uh, the numbers that they put up were just 
insane numbers. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's he's on the short list. And in, and as far as like an entertainment factor, he's going to be a guy that I think Duck fans are going to remember really fondly because of just how tough of a runner he is. Doesn't go down on first contact, fights for extra yards. Uh, just such a warrior on the field that I, I think he's kind of earned a place in, you know, the pantheon of Oregon running backs. Bo Nix is the interesting one, right? Uh, mm. From a pure, if you want to just talk pure statistics. Yeah. Bo Nix is having a season right now that is on par with the season that Marcus Mariota had when he won the Heisman Trophy. Um, his completion percentage is uh, 10 points higher than Marcus mm. Mariota's. Uh, Marcus Mariota had 42 touchdowns and four interceptions and a quarterback rating of 181. Bo Nix, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 191, 10 points higher. Uh, Mariota was was much more dangerous on the ground. Um, Nix has not been nearly the running threat this year that he was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that ultimately like if you're if you're comparing Mariota and Nick straight up the biggest differences is one conference championship two playoff win and appearance in a national title game and then three the rushing stats if Nick's can add the victories you know certainly if if he if he wins the Pac-12 title and takes home a Heisman trophy then I I do think one a one b yeah, he's remembered in the same conversation with Mariota. And I think just uh, Joey Harrington kind of has an honorary place in that conversation because of the role that he played in helping Oregon to transform into a national brand. His junior year, he led them to the best season they'd ever had. And then his senior year, he led them to an even better season um, that still hasn't been surpassed when they finished second in the nation. So uh, I think Nick's could definitely end his career in the conversation with those three guys. But I, again, it's like if they lose to the Beavers and he ends his career of never having even played in a conference championship game, it, it feels a little different. Right. And it feels like, um, well, he never got like that signature moment or if, or if they beat the Beavers and then they lose to the Huskies for a third time, that feels like that would be that would be kind of tough on on the legacy. So a, a lot a lot for for Bo Nix and kind of how he's remembered in Oregon lore will depend on these next two weeks. No, that seems really fair. And I mean, that that kind of jives what I think what I would have said if I were in your shoes that, yeah, like as this season has progressed, you have to start thinking, wow, this is one of the most special teams that we've ever had. I mean, when you look at this could be one of the top two quarterbacks that we've ever had in the history of the University of Oregon, by far the greatest receiver, a top tier, maybe in the, not the top two or three, but a top tier running back. And then, you know, you throw in an offensive line. That's one of the best in the nation, a defense that's, you know, uh, creating a lot of sacks and turnovers and, and all kinds of, uh, positive, you know, statistics. And so at some point you've got to be going, okay, the years like this don't come around every year. So we want to see this 
milk it for all it's worth. And so uh, to me, all that does is just amp up how big this year is for both of us and for our teams. And what, like I said at the top of the show, seems like a growing inevitability that these two teams are destined to face each other one more time and see what happens. You know what it, it feels like is it feels like, uh, you know, so I'm, I pull for Gonzaga in hoops. Gonzaga, uh, like Oregon, has made it to the national title game twice and lost both times, right? Um, but they're kind of always in the mix type of thing. Yeah. This feels like rooting for a Gonzaga team that, you know, is is – 30 and two on the season and they're a one seed and they've got a sweet 16 game coming up. And it's like, I think this is in the conversation with the best Gonzaga teams, but like if they lose in the sweet 16, we, you know, they just kind of get consigned to irrelevancy, which is totally unfair. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's what it feels like this game is for Oregon is they have a sweet 16 game against the Beavers. If they win that, they have an elite eight game against the Huskies and, you know, and, and it goes from there. That's a good so, way. To, I like I like the way you put that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so it's so many of these questions for both teams, yeah. Warren, are just gonna they're gonna be answered uh one way or another on the field over the next two weeks. And it it I think a lot of the conversations that have kind of been floating around in our stratosphere for the last few weeks are just they're gonna have a lot more clarity. Absolutely. All right, I've got a scenario for you. And uh, tell me, you're not going to like either one of these scenarios, but just tell me which one would be the hard, the 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 more bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> okay. These are always the worst. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So here it is. Okay. All right. The first the first option is that the Ducks lose this Saturday to Oregon State, but Arizona State pulls off a miracle and beats Arizona, thus allowing Oregon to backdoor into the Pac-12 championship. Oregon then proceeds to beat the Huskies in the Pac-12 championship with two losses. The Huskies with only one loss backdoor into the playoffs. Okay. That's, that's option one. Okay. Okay. Not, not an option that you like very much. So we didn't knock the Huskies out of the playoffs. Didn't knock us out. We're, we go into the we go into the Pac-12 championship game twelve and zero. It's a close enough game. Things fall the way that they fall, and somehow the Huskies get to come in, similar to the TCU team that uh, got into the playoffs last do year. You, do you have the exact same result as the TCU team? Do you lose sixty-five to seven to Georgia at the end of this scenario? <laughs> you know what? If we made it to the championship game, <laughs> I. I would probably be okay with that, yeah. but that's option one. Option two is you beat your in-state rival, Oregon yeah. state yeah. for the last time in that series. And then you play the Huskies and you lose and the Huskies go to the, to the playoffs. Yeah. But which, which outcome it like, which would you prefer? Or which one is more painful to conceive of? It's it's uh, a phenomenal question in a terrifying way. Uh, I think I my initial instinct is to say I would rather take the Pac-12 title 
And I would rather take the win over the Huskies because Husky fans are more insufferable than Oregon State fans. Uh, and, and so I, I won't have to hear about it from Beaver fans in the same way. I also, yeah. my mom grew up in Corvallis. I kind of like the Beavers. Uh, it's, I don't like losing to them, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt in quite the same way. I, I, Losing to the Huskies three times in one year, I would never hear the end of it from you, Warren. Like I would, I mean, you would bring it up to me on a daily basis. Uh, I, that had and, not even crossed my mind, Mark. I don't even know what you're <laughs> talking about. But but if if Oregon was responsible for spoiling Washington's undefeated season, even if you backed your way into the playoff, keep in mind the Pac-12 title game is Friday night, so it's before all of the action that unfolds on Saturday. So yeah. it would feel like on Friday night, it would feel like Oregon knocked Washington out of the playoff. And yeah. so for at least like 12 hours, I would have the satisfaction of thinking about how miserable you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that would be great. And so, uh, and, and I think just, I think to, uh, to even the score a little bit between the two teams, I think to claim the last PAC 12 title and, um, yeah, you know, to be able to say like, well, how, but how many Pac-12 titles is Kalen DeBoer won with his undefeated record in November, blah, 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 you know? Right. Uh, right. So I, I think that's the right answer. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Well, let's talk about this matchup in the platypus cup because, uh, Oregon state, they gave the Huskies, uh, all that they had. And certainly it was a game that, it's hard to necessarily draw a lot from because of the weather conditions and just the way that it it played out. But uh, this is a this is a difficult Oregon State team. I think uh, their uh, Oregon is favored by is it thirteen points going into this game. But yeah. what are your feelings about you know playing the Beavers, who I would think are going to put everything that they have into making this game a miserable experience for the ducks. Yeah. So this, this may be of interest to you, Warren. I think last year's loss to the Beavers is something that Oregon players are stewing on much more than either of their losses to the Huskies. Yeah. Uh, because of the way that it unfolded for one, right. they, they had, a berth in the Pac-12 championship game in their grasp, 21-point lead in the fourth quarter. And and then they let uh, the Beavers come back, and it was a meltdown on all sides. It was a meltdown yeah. on defense where they let the Beavers run the ball at will. It was a meltdown on offense when they, they couldn't convert first downs, and then they drove all the way down the field and had a first and goal inside the five and couldn't score. Uh, it was a meltdown on special teams when their punter dropped the ball on the one yard line. Like, I mean, it was just a total, total disaster on all fronts that they just gave this game away. It's by far the worst quarter of football that Oregon has played in the, in the Dan Lanning era. And I think I, I mean, this, this has been cited by players in the off season. It was cited by players in weeks leading up to this week that it's like the way that they lost that game. And I think especially for the front seven of the defense of how they gave up yards after yards to that Oregon state running game with no threat of a pass. Yeah. I think it was embarrassing. I think it's been motivating right now in, if you go into the Oregon locker room, the TVs that are mounted 
in the Oregon locker room are playing the fourth quarter of last year's game on a loop. Players have mm. tried to change the channel and, they, and, the, and it's locked. Like they can't even change the channel. And, and just the, that fourth quarter is just playing on a loop all week long. Uh, so I think there is all very, season or just this week. Uh, no, just this week. They came in okay. on, on Monday okay. and you know, that game is on and, and just the fourth quarter and, uh, and it's, it's going to stay on. And so I think uh, there's very much a sense in which this game, I think means a little more just because of the way, the humiliating way, frankly, in which they lost last season. So I think Oregon state is a, is uh, a really good balanced team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in addition to Oregon, they're the only team that's in the top five in the conference in, in offense and defense. Uh, so they're, they're very balanced. Um, they have a great offensive line. They have a great rushing attack. They've got like a real quarterback now, which makes them, uh, more of a threat. Like, so I don't, I don't take anything lightly about the Beavers as an opponent. Yeah. But I, I do think Oregon is going to play one of their best games of the season. I just, I just have the sense that like, they're going to be up for this game, uh, in a significant way especially especially coming at home where I think the last two times Oregon has lost to the Beavers at Autzen was 2007 when they were playing their third string quarterback. That was the year Dennis Dixon tore his ACL and Brady Leaf broke his ankle. So they had Justin Roper making his first career mm. start and they lost in overtime. And, uh, and then I think you'd have to go back to 1993 to find another example of the Beavers beating the Ducks at Autzen. So I, I think... I think Oregon's going to be out for blood and I think they're going to be ready, ready to play. And I think they're going to assert their will. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't, um, the way that they've been playing, it's, they've been, like I said, a juggernaut. They've been a buzzsaw. Uh, teams have not even been close. You know, I think you made a point earlier about the Huskies that, Hey, if they haven't figured it out at this point, you know, what's to say that they ever will at this point in the season. And yet at the same time, uh, you know, there's kind of a part of me that's like, okay, the Huskies are due for a game where they put it all together. And I, I wonder like, is there a, a, a line of thinking that, that would say that, Hey, as great as the ducks have been playing, maybe they're due for, a game where things don't all go according to plan. Could they, could they, you know, potentially have a clunker or could they, you know, uh, you know, run into a team that doesn't just roll over for them in the first quarter. And all of a sudden, you know, things are more difficult than they anticipated. Is that something that, that you are concerned about at all? Or do you just think, Hey, what, what they've been doing the last five weeks there's no way that they can they can be stopped at this point. No, I'm I'm definitely not overconfident. Like I feel like gut feeling. I think the Ducks play really well and and they win the game. I think uh, that's not like a like a boastful like oh we're gonna crush them. It like I very much have a fear that uh, Oregon State's gonna establish the running game and they're gonna control the clock and they're gonna have these ten play drives and they're gonna ugly the game up and like. I think coming out of the way that they won last year's game, 
uh, and that they were just the tougher team in the fourth quarter. It's um, until until Oregon proves it on the field, that concern is still going to be in the back of my mind. And the truth is, is this is going to be the this will if if Oregon can beat the Beavers, it will be the best team they have beaten all year. Right. The best team they have played was Washington. They didn't win that game. The other best wins that they've on, had on their schedule, every single one of those teams has been devalued somewhat since they beat them. You know, Utah is no longer considered in the same way. USC has has fallen off the rails. Uh, Texas Tech's season never really got going because their quarterback got hurt. Colorado was a top 20 team when Oregon played them. And, and even by the end of that game, nobody considered Colorado a top 20 team anymore. Yeah. So for all of like Oregon's kind of best performances, uh, they don't really have a performance like this of beating a team of, of Oregon state's caliber. Uh, so this is a major challenge. They could absolutely lose this game. Um, it could be one of those games, like you mentioned, where things just kind of um, aren't firing. I, but I do think playing at home makes me uh, much more confident that that's not going to happen this week. Uh, yeah. I think if this were at Reeser, uh, where the Huskies just experienced what that atmosphere can be like, I would be a lot more kind of concerned about like, um, we just had the first quarter from hell and now we're down 14 to three. And this, this is already making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I know the Beavers are putting everything that they've got into this game and, you know, if Jonathan Smith finds a way to pull off this upset, uh, you know, they might as well just erect a statue out in front of the building. I mean, the guy already deserves a statue after being a quarterback and bringing this team back into relevance, but that would certainly be the, you know, the crowning achievement to go out uh, with that victory over the ducks as the, you know, the PAC 12 sets, Sun sets on on uh, the Oregon Beavers, Oregon State Beavers. So, uh, any thoughts? Any other thoughts about uh, the Platypus Cup before we turn our attention to the Apple Cup? Uh, just that it. I mean, this is I think going to be on the short list of of um, the best matchups that we've had for this yeah. particular rivalry. Like, there's only been a handful of times when both teams came in. Uh, ranked in the top 25 and to have both of them ranked in the top 15. I, I really do wish things had unfolded in the Beavers season in such a way that they were still playing for a spot in the conference title game. Cause I think yeah. that would added to the stakes even more. Uh, there was a game back in 2009 when they were playing for a spot in the Rose bowl. And I think that's going to always be, you know, the best civil war in history, but this one's got some real stakes and I know the whole state of Oregon will be interested in the outcome and uh friday couldn't come here soon enough absolutely so the the game is on friday at what time uh i want to say it's like a 5 30 kickoff on, okay. on fox so uh kind of feels like you know friday night you're playing your in-state rival it's like it kind of has this like high school mm -hmm. you know lights feel to it but uh yeah 5 30 friday night on fox all right all right the huskies are playing on saturday at 1 p.m the 115th apple cup the final apple cup of the pac-12 era 
And yet it has just been announced uh, within the last couple of days that they have extended the Pac-12, not the Pac-12, the Apple Cup schedule for an additional five years. Next year, they'll play at Lumen Field in Seattle, and then they'll begin alternating between uh, Pullman and and, uh, Husky Stadium for the remaining four years of the Big Ten contract. Uh, But... You know, this is a game, of course, that Cougar fans would would enjoy nothing more than to ruin this Husky season by upsetting them after, uh, you know, all the years of being the little brother, uh, you know, across the state. And, um, you know, this is a game where if you were to say, hey, like, does this have trap game potential? The answer is absolutely yes. I mean, the the Cougars are coming in. You know, Mark, you kind of jokingly said red hot, but let's be honest, they've lost five of their last six games uh, this season. They did win their their last game, but uh, against a even more hapless Colorado team, and we could spend a whole episode breaking down the Deion Sanders Colorado season. Um, that might, that might be another book for you to write Mark, but, um, but this is still a dangerous team. You know, Cam Ward is a dynamic player. In fact, Chuck Morrell was asked who, who is Cam Ward most like, and he said the guy from USC, you know? And so just for him, the closest comparison to Cam Ward is, Caleb Williams. And I think that's high praise. And we saw that last year. I mean, Cam Ward was slippery and it took us three quarters until we could finally kind of pin him down. So there's, there's definitely that propensity. There's always the fear that uh, some injuries will have caught up with us. Uh, Rumor is that Dylan Johnson was wearing a boot this week. Uh, So if we don't have Dylan Johnson on Saturday, that could dramatically change the complexion of this game it's pretty much confirmed that giles jackson is not going to be playing on saturday uh against the the washington state cougars trying to preserve his extra year of eligibility who knows what j max uh status is actually going to be we keep being told that he's ready to go but he hasn't had a catch since the first half of the Michigan State game. So lots of questions, but I got to think that this Husky team, knowing what is on the line, knowing what what is at stake, they are going to come in fully locked in and ready to go for this Washington State Cougars. You mentioned, you know, they need a get right game. It seems like Vegas is expecting that because – uh Washington's listed as a 16 and a half point favorite. They haven't won a game by 16 points since September. So I know I'm like, okay, Vegas, what do you know? Because you have not been watching these games the last six weeks. Yeah. And that has not been the case in these previous opponents. I mean, Washington state defensively has some real issues. Like they are 94th in the country in scoring defense. They gave up, what 44 to Arizona they gave up a ton of points to 
to California. Um, Oregon, it actually felt like left some points on the field against them when, when they played them. But uh, I, so it does seem like for the Washington offense, certainly the opportunity is there to, to get right against this, this defense. I don't think um, Washington has played a defense this bad probably since they played Cal in, in late September. Well, I guess USC. Uh, so never mind. Yeah. True. Apologies yeah. to the USC defense. We gotta remember you every time we, the, we talk about bad defenses. The Grinch that stole the Trojans championship hopes. Yeah. So uh yeah. but I think I think you're onto something though, with I mean it it all comes down to what kind of a game Cam Ward can have because I mean I've seen him in two different games now against the Ducks look like the best player on the field. You know, I think he threw for 475 yards against Oregon this year. So yeah. uh he can be a, a phenomenal player. Uh, they don't really have much of a running game to support him. I mean, right. I think they're like the worst rushing team in the conference. So that feels like an opportunity yeah. for Washington. To last year, play. their running game was, was, you know, pretty respectable. And so yeah, not having that running game, I think may be the reason why things have kind of along with the defense, things have kind of fallen off uh the rails but yeah I, I mean like i said this could be a get right game last year michael Penix threw for 485 yards three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown um but with the way that this offense has been playing the last few weeks we really don't know what to expect i mean are we going to get that high flying uh, you know, firing on all cylinders offense again, or is it going to be another gutted out type of performance? I don't know. I mean, if I were a non-biased uh, sports betting fan, I might be putting some money down on the Cougs to cover that, that 16 point, uh, you know, lead. So that if the Huskies win by 16 points, I will be pleasantly surprised put it that way not not because i don't think they're not capable of it they're absolutely capable of it but they have not proven that they can do it over the last six weeks yeah i i it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i think i think we'll know pretty quickly like what kind of game it's gonna feel like like it just i think um i think by the end of the first quarter i think you're either going to be going oh here we go again or you're going to be you're you're going to be looking. It's going to be twenty one to three, and you're going to be feeling like this is this is our team again. Welcome back, guys. Like I, I just think it you're going to know pretty quickly how how it's going to play out. Well, I think, like I said, you know, both teams, if they can keep their head on straight, if they can keep their eyes clear, take care of business. Next week. Next week's podcast is going to be one for the history books for sure. Uh, but what a season. The Like I said at the top of the show, the Huskies have moved up now ahead of Florida State. They are number four in the college football playoff rankings. We know that uh, if the Huskies win and the Ducks win, most likely both of them are going to move up at least one spot because of the outcome of the Ohio State, Michigan State 
a Michigan game, excuse me, uh, the Wolverines and the Buckeyes playing this Saturday. I I would think, but maybe I could be wrong. I would think that both of the, one of the the losing team will drop below the Ducks, but um, there's no doubt that the Huskies will slide up if if they take care of their business in that. So you're looking at potentially the number three team in the country going up against the number five in the Pac-12 championship. And who knows with the injury to, to uh, Jordan Travis at Florida state, um, you know, I could see them losing on the road to Florida and, uh, and, and falling out of this thing altogether, which could, you know, potentially set up a, a three, four matchup going into that Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that everything is still on the table, right, for for both teams. So uh, I think think Oregon feels like take care of business and it'll all be okay. It's kind of the the way that that I think Oregon fans are, are looking at this. And I know there's probably some convoluted scenario where they could get left out because of certain things happening with other teams, but, um, but all of that, you know, none if of Oregon that wins the next two games. They're not going to get left out. I, I can, I can say that with almost a hundred percent certainty. I, I feel, I feel pretty comfortable and assured of that as well. And so, but, but got to get through the Beavers first, Warren can't, can't get talking about Vegas yet here. Yeah. I hear you. Well, uh, Mark, this has been a tremendous, uh, tremendous season, and it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, as we wrap this thing up, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off for this week? Uh, I Well, I do like the fact that Oregon is playing on a Friday night and the Pac-12 title game is played on a Friday night. Mm. Extra day. There could be a little extra day of rest there. Uh, yeah and recovery and and preparation so uh be interesting if they can take advantage of that uh but gotta get through the beefs all right well it i think that the title of this episode is gonna have to be taking care of business so <laughs> with that we will sign off for all my dog fans go dogs and for all my duck fans go ducks All right. Good luck, everybody, in the Apple Cup and the Platypus Cup. We'll catch you guys next time. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Merguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.